Hey guys, I'm Noelle Moran, and I'm Lois Shaw, and this is In Service. Well, welcome back, everybody, to season two. We are discussing today, we're just going to start another little mini-series on expectations. Yeah, today specifically, we're going to be talking about managing expectations and what that looks like for For ourselves. Yeah. I have an expectation for myself moving forward that I don't interrupt you. (laughs) I have an expectation for myself that I finish my sentence. (laughs) How can you when I do it for you? Let's start out with our missions statement, empowering teachers towards gospel centricity and talk about gospel centric expectations for ourselves. So I think to do that, let's go back to the gospel. And those four main elements are creation, fall, redemption, resurrection. And to start with creation, which is the initial intent, what God models in his rhythms of creating and the expectations that he sets for humanity, which are to be fruitful, to multiply or maximize. That doesn't just apply to like having many children. Uh, That also applies to multiplying what he has given us and uh, developing and maximizing. And we also see an expectation on rhythms of rest. We see expectation on community. It's not good for man to be alone, to do work with alongside others. Um, And we see um, that work is part of the original design for creation. But we see all these expectations for perfection and then an expectation that we listen to God and that we stay in his good parameters and that we choose the things that he's told us will lead to our flourishing. The big breakdown comes when we don't meet God's expectations. And now everything that we do to strive toward flourishing is affected by the fall and is difficult. And so now we can also have an expectation that we will fail and things are going to be messed up and harmed by um, sin and pain and weight and heaviness and our sin and other people's sin. We also can have an expectation that Jesus will come through, that he has made the way on the cross and um, that he now is interceding for us. We can, and I think then in the resurrection and in the new life and in being new creations, that that expectation has now shifted off of us and what is expected of us and has shifted into what we can expect of Christ. And that is that he is promise keeper and a savior and intercessor, uh, the true and better Adam. He is perfect. While we can always expect that we will fail, we can have absolute living hope that he will not. So I would say gospel-centric expectations are realizing that our hope-filled expectations are in what Christ is able to do and not in what we are able to do. Very well said. You did a great job of that. A couple of verses that I've been thinking through as we've been planning for this episode, especially just as we said, like past four or four and a half months have just been an absolute blur to myself as I was coaching basketball and I started, I decided to go back to school again. And just thinking through all these expectations that I've put on myself, um, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 says, 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Just like what Lois was saying, so often if we identify what are the expectations that we have for ourselves, we're idolizing our own selves and our own abilities and our what the Lord has given us and thinking that we're going to do it perfectly. When in reality, I think that there's something so beautiful about acknowledging our own brokenness and pointing back to Christ and being able to say, I have limitations. And this is where Christ steps in and he finishes the good work. It's not us that finishes the good work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know for myself personally, acknowledging my own limitations is really hard Mm -hmm. because I have such a personality of betting on myself that I'll figure it out. Mm. And it's like, oh, here's a trial. Okay, well, I'm going to figure it out. One of the series that my church is going through is we're talking through First Samuel. And we're really prioritizing the power of prayer. One thing that my pastor said today is, so often as a practical-minded person, I face a trial in life. And I think really practically, what are my action steps? And I think the very last resort, if my action steps don't work out, that's when I'll bring it before the Lord and ask for his help. And just the absolute reversal that it should be. Here's a trial or tribulation. Let me bring it to the Lord and see and listen to him speak and see what he tells me to do. Mm-hmm. He is going to be the one defining my action steps, mm-hmm. not me defining my action steps and then going to him. Yeah. I I think God's expectation for us I just, I spent a lot of time praying this summer and I feel like the Lord just has me in this season of, I'm calling it the great unwinding. (laughs) This this monument in my life that I'll look back on and be like, remember the great unwinding of 2023. Um, But like the Lord asked, beckoning me into this question of how my definition of success is very different from his. And kind of called out on how much I try to one never do anything wrong uh and then if I do to right my own wrong and just a gentle reminder from the Lord that um he has already righted every wrong by rising again and that is not work he's put on me and that my work is actually to have a posture of surrender and success in light of eternity is choosing Jesus. People who heard that Christ was coming, they had this idea of what a savior would be. And Jesus did not uphold the expectations of what their idea of what a savior would be. He was a carpenter's son. I think as we think through every single episode, how we can bring it back to How does this help us make disciples more? Mm -hmm. Kind of what you were saying, Lois, is that reliance on Christ. When we acknowledge, both in any aspect of our life, no matter if we're a teacher or not, when we openly acknowledge our own limitations and show that need and reliance for Christ, other people will see that and see like, they don't think that they're perfect. They don't think that they can Mm -hmm. do this on their own. And that is how we will be bringing people closer to Christ. Like that is another element to creating disciples mm-hmm. is to under is to take ourselves off of the throne, to take ourselves off that throne and put Christ right where he belongs and to acknowledge we cannot do this on our own. Mm-hmm. And I think about 
Psalms 121 that says, I look up to the hills, but where does my help from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. When I was starting my teaching career, I mean, just think about, regardless of what profession you have, think about your first few months, your first year at your first real professional adult job. It's a mess as you are floundering and you're trying to figure things out and you're trying to show up, at least for me, I tried to show up and be the perfect teacher from the beginning Mm -hmm. where I felt like I almost had this chip on my shoulder of just because I'm young doesn't mean I'm not capable. Mm -hmm. I tried to show up and be this perfect teacher to prove that my age had nothing to do with my abilities. And it took legitimately no less than five minutes in my first class, a shattered glass water bottle, an array of questions from sixth graders where I realized I absolutely cannot do this on my own. And it was just such a humbling moment that I learned so quickly, but I'm always forever learning. This is not about me. Hmm. And this is not, I don't want it to be about me. Hmm. Sometimes I operate as if I want it to be about me. And the Lord humbles me and reminds me, none of this job is about me. And I always want it to be about him. And I think that that comes from each day surrendering to him and understanding I can't do this all by myself. Even if I've been equipped with the physical tools of college and the physical tools to grade papers and teach lessons and quote unquote meet students' needs, we all know that it's far bigger than that. Yeah, I absolutely. I want to come back to the thing you said about how we can make disciples. How does this all come back to answering Jesus's call to go and make disciples and looking specifically at, because that's an expectation Jesus has for us. If his final words were go make disciples, he expects us to go make disciples. Um, and we've already covered uh, the expectation on us to, as it says in first Peter, be holy as he is holy. We cannot meet that. And that's why we have Christ. So I think as we dive now into specifically what are God's expectations for us, we're taking this all with the understanding that we are covered in his grace and his complete work. And that these are the expectations from him that lead to life and thriving and God's glory, but they are not uh, our salvation and status with God is not contingent on them. Anyway, um, the, expectations we have from God are to make disciples, to have fruit of the spirit, to be wise, to bear his image. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking of all the ones that feel very prevalent to me right now to rest. Um, I'm thinking also of um, Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes three, where it's talking about all the different seasons and all the different things. Like there's a time for this and there's a time for this and there's a time for this and how some expectations change with seasons and some expectations are always true. I think there are big picture things that are expected of us always like fruit of the spirit, all seasons, um, building your house on the rock, all seasons, giving glory to God, all seasons. Love is all seasons. Love bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There are also things, things I put on myself, expectations um, in the pursuit of glorifying God that in some seasons I need to have flexibility with. I just was recently reading, this is an example from my life, but I think it applies in a lot of scenarios beyond pregnancy, which is what I'm going to talk about. But 
I had expectations for myself as a teacher in terms of my timeline and when I would accomplish things, like when I would have assignments back to students and put those in the syllabus. Cause I'm like here, Hey students. And I think this is still a good idea. It's something I learned from a professor of saying, here are my expectations for you. And then here, here's what you can expect of me. And there were semesters when I absolutely upheld that. And there were semesters when my yes was not my yes. And when I was in first trimester and had morning sickness and felt like I was barely making it into school and then crashing when I got home, <laughs> uh, that, that, that quarter of the year, my grade book was a mess, very delayed. And I wish that I had uh, adjusted my expectations in that season instead of trying to scrounge to an expect to a bar I had set for myself. I could have communicated differently. I'm thinking about Matthew five or six when Jesus says, don't even, don't even make promises. Don't swear at all by heaven or earth or even by your own head. Like you just do not say that you're going to do something. I have to remind myself to apply that to my own head, that I cannot make promises to myself. Oh my word. Like last week I was like, the one thing I will do today is finish the laundry. And at 9.08 AM, the washing machine broke. <laughs> right on schedule <laughs> so then I'm like in my head I have this whole narrative of I have failed because I did not meet my own expectation for the day when that was completely out of my control that unhealthy narrative could have been avoided if I had not made a promise to myself this is not the intention of this passage in first Samuel but it's something that I've gleaned from it recently that there's these rhythms in first Samuel 1 where the whole family goes up to offer sacrifices. The whole family goes up to offer and Hannah goes up to offer sacrifices. And then in chapter two, when she's had the baby, it says Hannah did not go. And it's this, it stood out to me that sometimes the Lord is calling us to steward something in our lives that are going to interrupt rhythms and expectations and traditions. And then in our heads, we're like, are we doing this wrong? Am I sinning? Is this, uh, is this a lack of like self-discipline and self-control on me when actually sometimes we need to adjust our expectations and that that is healthy and wise and God honoring. And I think that category of expectations differs from expectations of holiness that are true in all seasons. Oftentimes we can have really well-meaning expectations that are, if executed at the right time in the right place, can be helpful in maximizing the talents the Lord has given us, but I think the flexibility in it is really important that you were talking about. One of my students asked me this recently of like, where do I think I'll be in five years? And I shrugged and I said, who knows? And they're like, what do you mean? You don't have, like, you don't plan for the future at all. And I said, I have really loose plans of things that I think I would love to do or activities or places I'd love to travel, things where I could have this idea of what my future looks like. And I said, but if there's anything I've learned in the last five years, it's not that I would have ended up in this specific scenario, in this specific situation. We can create all the plans and ideas of what it'll look like to have our idea of success upheld in our own lives. I often think of Proverbs 19, 21 that says, many are the plans in the mind of the man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Hmm. And how I'm constantly trying to reorient myself to, am I listening to the Lord? Am I listening to his plans and trying to uphold them in my life? Or am I listening to my own 
that actually brings me to a really practical action step. It's not time for that yet. I know, but just really thinking through who are the (laughs) loudest voices speaking into your life. Mm. So even trying to identify what are the five loudest voices speaking in your life and are they pointing you back to scripture? Because if they're not pointing you back to scripture, then they're feeding you lies and it's going to play Mm. a role in how you view yourself, how you view the world around you and can really negatively impact you. Going off of what Lois said about listening to the Lord. <laughs> I feel that there's confusion and stress around the concept of listening to the Lord. It feels like a topic that comes up a lot. Like, how do I know if it's the Lord or my own head or what's the Holy Spirit and what's anxiety? Um, a couple of arguments or not arguments but tactics i've heard are like if it keeps coming up over and over and over again it's probably the holy spirit and my concern with that tactic is that that is the same way that anxiety and ocd work and you can have a recurring ruminating fear that is uh, not the holy spirit and is not grounded and if you've been told like that's conviction and that's the holy spirit that that could be very disorienting or dangerous track to put your train on i think that it's putting trains on tracks <laughs> you know set my Rain train on track go ahead you think what well my church is actually just went through the five ways of which you can sort of identify whether or not the lord is speaking i'm not going to dive into the whole thing give us a helicopter view the helicopter view one thing that i really want to point out is does even if it's reoccurring voices does it contradict scripture The Lord can talk to us through other people. He can talk to us through prayer. He can talk to us through the Holy Spirit. He can talk to us through creation. The Bible is never going to contradict itself. And that is the clearest way in which the Lord is speaking to us. Mm -hmm. A very wise friend of mine who's also a teacher recently said to me in an issue I was having with, with a Christian resource where I was like, this just really stresses me out. And she was like, well, it's not the Bible. So it, it doesn't have to be a pillar in your life. And uh, I've just been thinking about that a lot. That was very profound. Uh, Even Christian resources or believing friends, what we get to hold fast to and what will never fail. And like what you're saying, Noel, what will not contradict itself is the word of God. And there's a lot of freedom there. Okay. But uh, going back to the voices, the voices in your life and in your head, what would be some examples of some negative voices? I think for me personally, even just thinking through the last several months, I sort of have this voice constantly screaming in the back of my head, are you meeting their needs in regards to my students? Mm. And I almost evaluate, like I, at the end of each day, I end up thinking through my classes and trying to visualize each one and visualize each student and how they were behaving in my class. And then thinking about like, were they engaged? Were they paying attention? Was I meeting their needs? And having that be the way that I define a good or bad class, which there are so many exterior things going into how a kid acts and behaves in your class. One, it's February and students in general are tired of school and they're all over the place and they have a million things going on. And so my definition of being a good teacher being based on the actions of my students on a day-to-day basis is an example of not rooting myself in anything real or anything positive, basing it on behavior that could have absolutely nothing to do with my class, 
which I was then allowing to tear me down or build me up as a teacher. And I was thinking through that and I was verbally processing it. And then all of a sudden I thought, how is that the expectation of a good or bad class? When have I ever been taught that? Who has ever told me that is what a good class looks like? And then I had to just take some time and actually write out like, this is what I think a good class is. Hmm. And often, and also it has to be flexible. Just thinking about the expectation that the Lord has for us and his, and our need for his grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. I think an unhealthy voice of expectation that would come up for me in the classroom was n- to know everything. <laughs> I had an expectation that I be all knowing, which just sets me up for failure because I am not an omniscient God. I just had a very unrealistic expectation on my knowledge and awareness. That expectation that I put on myself was not achievable. So I spent then a lot of time after classes beating myself up, judging myself, trying to figure out how can I know everything rather than acknowledging I cannot know everything. I can ask the Lord for help and grace to know what is needed of me today. I can ask the Lord for manna today. One thing that has helped me since I've identified I have this natural tendency to have this voice screaming in the back of my head, are you meeting their needs? I have first block planning this semester. And so one thing that I've started doing, instead of trying to listen to that voice that's screaming negative things towards me, which is an expectation, which is setting me up for an expectation that I cannot meet. I've instead started reading a passage of scripture every single day and taking two minutes before the bell rings to pray and to surrender each day to the Lord. And Mm -hmm. so that when I head into what is going to be a naturally hectic and chaotic Mm -hmm. several classes, I'm filling my mind with scripture and mm. I'm taking that time to give it over to the Lord and to fill my mind with things that are good and things that are worthwhile and things that point me back to the creator instead mm. of choosing to listen to that voice. And I do think that naturally Satan can attack us through our brains and through our minds and he can fill our head with negative thoughts. But we do have these resources in place where we can be filling our minds. We can choose to be filling our minds with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to fill our minds and our brains and our hearts and work through us rather than just giving in. Because it would be so easy for me to just say, okay, I have this voice screaming in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. What do I do with it? Like it's just setting myself up for failure and burnout and et cetera. Just never, and I've been having this conversation with my students, never underestimate the Lord's ability to work in our lives. I know that sounds really self-explanatory and obvious, but so often we pray a prayer for a week and we don't see the Lord move. So we're like, okay, not in his timing. And we move on. Like, I think even the past year of my life, I've had some prayers answered that I've prayed since I was 15. The Lord will work according to his timeline, not ours. Yeah. I have been thinking about uh, the amount of freedom that God calls us to and refers to in the New Testament. I'm like, I do not access that, nor do I know what it feels like. I don't remember the last time I felt like I just lived freely. Um, And I've been just proclaiming to myself that for freedom, we've been set free. If you are free, you are free indeed. And that a lot of my lack of freedom comes from expectations I'm adding 
to the gospel for myself, (laughs) works-based issues. And I've just recently been thinking about how I show up and have been challenged by this. I don't know who said it, but this concept of there's two kinds of people, someone who walks into a room and says, here I am. And someone who walks into a room and says, there you are. And, um, in like a funny way, I'm a, here I am kind of person. Like sometimes I'd literally walk in the room and say, it's okay, everyone, I'm here now. And usually I'm kidding, but I think I do actually fundamentally see myself. I've been there when you've done that. Now, part of that is when you study performance, that's hard to unwind from the world and not view myself as a performer in just general contexts. But I've been doing this woman's Bible study on just looking at things through a Middle Eastern lens when you're reading scripture and this call to ask yourself when you're reading scripture, am I asking the question, what does the Bible tell me about me? Or are you asking, what does the Bible tell me about God? And uh, furthermore, that the word righteousness in scripture has way more to do with generosity than we apply through a Western lens. So I've just been thinking a lot about this, like how valuable generosity is to God and how it corresponds with righteousness. And I view righteousness as a list of being right, doing everything right, like that that is righteousness and how much that bears me down and burdens me because I have to do everything correctly. But if I am approaching, if I am showing up with the thought of generosity Um, When I first heard that, I was like, great, that's a whole nother thing. Now I have to add into my list of how I show up places. Like now I also have to be generous. And just so kindly over the last week, I feel like the Lord has reoriented my brain to say it's actually, that is actually a huge call to freedom. And I have yet to succeed. It's like one of those things that I think about in my time with the Lord. And then I'll go out and engage with the world and I perform. And then I get home and I'm like, hmm, didn't show up generously. Okay, but again... We get to receive the grace of God, and the expectation is not that we be perfect immediately. In fact, God does not expect that of us, knows we will not be able to meet that expectation. That's why he sent his son. But there is so much freedom and so much life in the expectations that he places on us, not in burdensome, you must do this or you will be condemned sort of way, because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But... (laughs) Uh, in a freeing, you don't have to worry when you show up because it's not about you. No, I actually think that that's a really helpful way that you phrased righteousness and generosity, like showing up generously. Because oftentimes we think of generosity as meaning money, but showing up generously, like with our time and with our mental capacity, even. Right. Yeah. Okay. Action steps. One of my action steps is my only one, in fact, to think about your burdensome expectations, the things you put on yourself that weigh you down and to recognize that the expectations that come from Christ are freeing, that he has come to give us life and life abundantly. And that his expectations on us for holiness while challenging and sanctifying that those are enriching and life-giving so identify what are what are the burdensome expectations and then chat with the lord about them have an intentional time of prayer 
What is the better expectation that he has for you? My action step kind of goes along with what I said previously about identifying the loudest voices in your life. But I want you to actually write out the expectations that you have for yourself in various avenues and then talk to other trusted people in your life about them and see what they have to say about those expectations. See if they really are healthy expectations. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you feel empowered in the gospel and in the words of the greatest teacher. Go and make disciples.